You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. It is our conviction that the three dominant rapture positions, pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib, have clear scriptural contradictions which have prevented them from becoming the dominant view of the body of Christ. It is clear, however, that in the last 20 years, the preterist position has gained some traction as a result of adherents like R.C. Sproul and N.T. Wright. The preterist position has gained traction in that it asserts that so much of what is depicted in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 21, occurred in connection with the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. They then also would insist that much of what is reported in the revelation about Christ is fulfilled as well, because they see that as being connected to the AD 70 destruction or Neronian persecution. The partial preterist position is indefensible, in my opinion. It simply cannot be insisted upon that Jesus Christ returned to this earth in 70 AD in a spiritual sense, a non-physical one. Now, One is able to believe or insist upon pretty much whatever he or she wants, and you usually can find some scripture, depending on how you interpret it, to support your conclusions. But I refused. I personally refuse to entertain any notion that our Lord returned to this earth in some form other than the physical, earthly manifestation of his being that was highlighted or that is highlighted by complete universal darkness resulting in his appearance being the sole light visible at the time. Now, I know that there are those who can argue it at infinitum. This is the way it goes. But I simply am not going to give much attention to it. And then there's those who insist upon that view I can find a complaint and uh, find my lack of defense of it, perhaps, uh, strange in their view. It's my conviction that a synthetic view of the pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib positions better handle the scriptures in a normal, natural, customary sense the plain sense without allegorical or spiritualizing of the text allows for a concrete experiential evidentiary 
manifestation of Jesus Christ that is not left to someone to explain, but every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl alive at that time will need no one to tell them that the Lord Jesus has appeared. A synthetic view of the rapture better explains the revelation about Christ, what we traditionally call the book of Revelation, better than any view previously put forward in our estimation. By taking what is biblically defensible from each of the three positions, a synthetic position begins to emerge, as do all the rapture positions previously discussed. A synthetic view uniformly believes that the saints will not experience the eschatological wrath of God. That's biblical. Like those who hold to the mid-trip position, the synthetic view sees a distinction between the wrath of God and the wrath of Satan and his Antichrist. That's biblical. Like the post-trip position, it believes that the wrath of God will be evidenced only after the persecution uh, by Satan and his Antichrist begins. That's biblical. Therefore, like the post-tribbers, the synthetic view believes that the church will experience the direct persecution of Satan and his Antichrist. That's biblical. The Word of God teaches Satan and his Antichrist's persecution will be cut short in Matthew 24:22. The question is, how? Removing the object of the evil one's persecution, the saints, to heaven, and putting the remnant of Israel in protective custody, this removes any possible contradiction. This one refinement makes several things possible. One, it provides sufficient time for all of God's wrath to occur without manufacturing a way for the church to be present while that wrath rains down on all around them. Secondly, it provides the necessary time needed for the salvation of Zechariah's prophecy that one-third remnant of Israel will be the primary inhabitants of the millennial kingdom. And third, it provides the time necessary for the salvation of a remnant of Gentiles from the nations who refuse to take the mark of Antichrist. And fourth and finally, it provides the platform by which God will alone be exalted in the earth once his eschatological day of the Lord's wrath begins. Therefore, the synthetic position has four biblically defensible pillars. One involves the church's exemption from the wrath of God, pre-tribulationalism. Another consists of a distinction between the wrath of God and the wrath of Antichrist, mid-tribulationalism. A third constitutes a distinction between the Great Tribulation and the eschatological day of the Lord's wrath, post-tribulationalism. The last pillar argues that the persecution by Antichrist will be cut short before the end of the 70th week 
providing the interval between the rapture and Christ's coming at the Battle of Armageddon, during which time all of the trumpets and bold judgments will be played out sequentially. This is the pre-wrath position. The identification of the wrath of God with the eschatological day of the Lord is the key. Let me say that again. The identification of the wrath of God with the eschatological day of the Lord is the key. All sides agree that the eschatological day of the Lord involves both the final judgment of God and the deliverance of his saints. Doctors Craig A. Blazing and Daryl Bach, in reference to First Thessalonians, write, quote, Deliverance in the day of the Lord is a special theme of First Thessalonians. At his return, Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come, Paul teaches that the church Paul teaches the church that the day of the Lord will not overtake you like a thief. In the context, this deliverance would seem to be the blessings of resurrection and translation into immortality which Christ will grant his own at his coming. An event which is called the rapture. This deliverance or rapture would appear to coincide with the inception or coming of the day of the Lord, since that is the focus in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Close quote. Both doctors Blazing and Bach taught at Dallas Seminary during my time of study there. It was from Dr. Blazing that I studied eschatology. Both are pre-tribbers. Yet they recognize the importance of the eschatological day of the Lord with the timing of the rapture. G. Dwight Pentecost writes in his book, Things to Come, quote, The only way this day could break unexpectedly upon the world is to have it begin immediately after the rapture of the church. It is thus concluded that the day of the Lord is that extended period of time beginning with God's dealing with Israel after the rapture at the beginning of the tribulation period and extending through the second advent and the millennial age into the creation of a new heaven and a new earth after the millennium. Close quote. Now, Pentecost is obviously pre-tribulational. However, he too recognizes that the eschatological day of the Lord follows the rapture. The, time issue, the timing issue can be settled if the beginning of the day of the Lord can be determined within the framework of end-time events. The synthetic position acknowledges that the imminent outbreak of the eschatological day of the Lord's sign will be the unparalleled cataclysmic disturbance in the sun, moon, and stars. This sign is distinctly described in the books of the Minor Prophets. Jesus indicates in the Olivet Discourse that his parousia will immediately follow the sign Joel prophesied, which marks the inception of the eschatological day of the Lord. Jesus also indicated in his revelation to John that Joel's sign in the sun, moon, and stars will be the sign that announces the day his wrath begins, a sign given in the heavenlies that will be displayed at 
the breaking of the sixth seal. Therefore, as one compares the six seals to the events outlined in the Olivet Discourse, one quickly sees that the rapture must occur after the seventh week of Daniel begins. It must also occur after the midpoint of the same week has begun and after Satan Antichrist's persecution of the church is cut short. When the sign of the eschatological day of the Lord and the perusia of Christ is given in the sun, moon, and stars. The exact day or hour when the sixth seal will be broken is not detailed in the scriptures. But when that happens, it will announce to the entire world that the inception of the eschatological day of the Lord. If our position is viable, we must see in the revelation about Christ a significant gathering of God's people to heaven near the beginning of God's eschatological wrath on earth. Seven passages in Revelation may support an indirect reference to the rapture. Revelation 3.10, 4.1-2, chapter 7, verse 9-17, chapter 11, verse 11-19, chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, chapter 14, verses 14 to 16, and chapter 19, verse 11 through chapter 20, verse 4. We shall take a look at each passage, arguing both the pros and cons of each passage for God's eschatological evacuation to heaven. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.